Let us pray. I'm most eternal and everlasting, Father, we are thankful this evening for the privilege that is ours to assemble together to study a portion of your word. We recognize that the human mind cannot comprehend anything that is spiritual apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So it's our request that the Holy Spirit will enable us to hear precisely what you have for us this evening. This is a request in Christ's name. Amen. Still in Exodus chapter 17 verses 1 through 7. Where we're dealing with lack of water and responses to it. Verse 1 in the 1984 edition reads, The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place, as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the whole people were thirsty for water, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out out of it from for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Now the primary message of the major section of Exodus chapter 16 verse 1 to Exodus chapter 17 verse 7 that we have been considering is that you should be careful about grumbling against your spiritual leaders since doing so is the same as grumbling against God. In our last study, we indicated that our present passage is concerned with Israel's complaint about thirst since there was no drinking water at Rephidim. We also stated that we will expand the section before us by presenting lessons that are associated with specific verses. However, that we will not necessarily follow sequentially the verses as we expand on the section. Instead, the verse that uh, we expand will depend on the lesson that we are considering. But that you should be assured that we are going to cover every verse of the passage that we are studying by the end of our study of this section. 
Now we indicated that there are four lessons that we will consider to help us in the expounding of the section that we are considering. The first lesson we have considered is that God's leading does not mean you will not encounter difficulties. So, we move on, proceed to the second. The second lesson necessary to expound Exodus 17 verses 1 through 7 that is concerned with lack of water and responses to it is this. To learn to take your complaint to the Lord and avoid blaming spiritual leaders for the difficulties you encounter. Again, learn to take your complaint to the Lord and avoid blaming spiritual leaders for the difficulties you encounter. Although we focus on spiritual leaders, but here is the real issue though. Every believer should learn how not to complain to human beings per se. You take your complaint to the Lord. Learn how to actually believe the fact that God controls everything, including the thought of people. And therefore, you don't need to complain to people. Take your complaints to Him and let Him move the heart of people. I'm a firm believer of this, that uh, you, if you do that, the Lord will answer you. I've seen it many, many times, and uh, I won't go into detail, but recently, uh, one of our members here have been dealing with me graciously, and it's something the person told me to do, and I refused to do it. And I just say, Lord, you know, uh, really, I mean, just cutting it short, I say, you know, you have the mind, and the Lord moved this individual, and in the process of conversation, said, the Lord put this in my, in my mind. I said, great. Now, that's what I believe in. I just don't believe in, you know, people going around and just whining and complaining. Take it to the Lord. He is the only one that has the ability to do that. If you can begin to practice that as a believer and begin to act on it, you'll be surprised how much headache you save yourself from the things that go around us. Anyway, this lesson is derived from the responses of Israel and Moses to the challenge of having no drinking water at Revidim. Now we know that the response of the Israelite that we'll get to shortly is due to lack of drinking water at Revidim because of the very first word of Exodus 17 verse 2 in the NIV of 1984 edition. The very first word there is so. That was so. Now the Hebrew begins verse 2 with a Hebrew particle that's often translated and in our English versions. However, the Hebrew particle has several other usages. In our passage, it is used either to introduce the result of lack of drinking water at Revidim, so that it may be translated so or therefore. Or it is used to indicate that what is uh, described in verse 2 follows sequentially to Israel discovering there was no water at Revidim. So uh, the particle could be translated and then. Now most of our English versions use the word so or therefore 
to translate a Hebrew particle, implying that what is stated in verse 2 results from what is given in verse 1. Now others either did not translate it or use the more literal meaning of the word and in their translation. Now it's really probably that we have a situation where the Holy Spirit wants us to recognize that verse 2 states what results from what is stated in verse 1. And also that the action reported in verse 2 follows sequentially to Israel discovering lack of water at refeeding. Now although that is probably what is intended, but for translation purposes, it's really better to begin verse 2 with the word so or therefore, since the greater emphasis is on what is reported in verse 2 that will not have occurred except for lack of water at Rephidim that the Israelites experienced. Uh, so that was already stated in verse 1. Without it, we won't have verse 2. Now, difficulties in life elicit two kinds of response from a believer. When we face difficulties, we respond in one or two ways. The believer could respond positively by holding on to the individual's faith and knowledge of God and his word. Or, the believer could respond negatively in ways that are not honoring to the Lord, including that and all kinds of other things. Now, the Israelites fell into the second response of being negative in the way they handled the difficulty of lack of drinking water at Rephidim. Now, their first response was to complain against Moses for lack of water. Again, these are things that you have to be asking yourself. If I meet difficulties, how am I going to react? How do I respond? Positively or negatively? Now, positively, your faith became unshaken. Nothing shakes your faith. But negatively, you have doubt. You begin to complain and take it off on people. Anyway, so Israel's first response was negatively, of course. And so they complained against Moses for lack of water. It is this response of Israel that is given in the first sentence of Exodus 16, 17 verse 2. When it says, so they quarreled with Moses. Now the word quarrel here is translated from a Hebrew word that is used to describe quarreling between parties due to a difference in perspective. Now the word is used in two ways. It may be used in a non-legal situation, in which case it may be translated or it may mean something like to get into a brawl. To get into a brawl. Or to quarrel with words as it is used regarding the instruction of what to do when someone injures another during a physical fight 
as introduced in Exodus chapter 21 verse 18. I'm just, it's just introducing it, but the rest of the passage, uh, if you read from verse 19 on, it tells you exactly how to deal with this. But our interest is the, the fact that our Hebrew word is used here with the meaning of quarrel. So it says, if men quarrel, and one hits the other with a stone or with his fist, and he does not die, but is confined to bed, and he goes on to say what will happen. But again, like our, our interest is just that he's describing people quarreling that involves physical altercation. Now, in non-legal situation, the word may mean to criticize. To criticize. Now, you know that through way that the easiest thing for any human being to do is to criticize. It doesn't take much to criticize. We all do, you know, we have ways we can criticize. It takes a lot more to do the other way, to avoid criticism. But here, the word may mean simply to criticize, as it is used to describe the response of the Ephraimites when Gideon did not invite them to join in his war against the Midianites, according to. Judges chapter 8 verse 1. Judges chapter 8 verse 1. It is now, the Ephraimites asked Gideon, Why have you treated us like this? Why didn't you call us when you went to fight Midian? And they, as a Hebrew word here, they criticized him sharply. Now, the word may be used in legal situation. In the context of a legal dispute, so that the word may mean to plead case of someone's cause or to defend someone. As it is used in the instruction of what those who fear the Lord should do about widows when the powerful people try to use the law to gain advantage over them. And that is part of mark of those who are really devoted to the Lord. You defend the helpless. As stated in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17. This is one of the things in a practical way what uh, believers are asked to do in their own way uh, and so it's something that you should give thought about whether you if you are faced with that kind of situation what do you do anyway 
He says, learn to do right, seek justice, encourage the oppressed, and defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Now that plead, the case of, is our Hebrew word, rib, rib. That's translated, quarreled in the passage we're studying. Now the word may also mean to complain, as it is used to describe what some Israelites would do when their daughters are seized and taken as wives by the surviving men of the tribe of Benjamin due to the war Israel waged against that tribe for their failure to surrender, uh, surrender the young men that raped a Levite's wife and caused her death. They refused and so the rest of the Israelites went to war against them and nearly wiped them out. I think it was only about 600 men left. That's it. And they chased them all everywhere but then they realized Oh, they came back and made a vow. No, none of us should give their, the daughter to them as wives. But once they realized the implication, uh, they kind of come up with a, a scheme and say, well, you know, there's a, a festivity coming on here. The uh, ladies, you know, young ladies and uh, young girls are known to dance around there and uh, celebrate and let them go there and whoever they catch as their wife, don't, don't go after it. That's the way. That's what we have here in Judges 21 verse 22. In other words, they say, well, if, if, they, if any young man catches a young lady and takes away, that's be the wife. But the, the father should not fight it because he did not willingly give the daughter away. That's what it is here. So we read. When their fathers or brothers complain to us, we will say to them, do us a kindness by helping them because we did not get wise for them during the war. And you are innocent since you did not give your daughters to them. In other words, they, they grabbed the woman by force. So, you know, the father should be off the hook in terms of the vow that they all took about not willingly giving their daughter away. Anyway, in our passage of Exodus 17 verse 2, the Hebrew word is used in the sense of to quarrel that involves words or to complain. To complain. In effect, the Israelites uttered words to Moses that indicated they were dissatisfied with him or that they were annoyed with him for leading them to the, a place where there was no water. So they were angry against him. Now there is the question though of whether the, uh, what is recorded in Exodus 17 verse 2, when look at it, it says, And said, Give us water to drink. Whether that is the content of what the Israelites said to Moses uh, in their quarreling with him, or it is something that occurred next that is following their complaint. Now, this is because of the word and 
is really uh, translated from the same uh, Hebrew particle that we have mentioned, that sometimes uh, most often is translated uh, and in our English, is English versions as here in the NIV. However, the Hebrew particle, as we have indicated, uh, has several other uh, usages. In our passage, it is used either to introduce the content of what the Israelites said to Moses so that it has the meaning of that is or to indicate that what follows is sequential to the quarrel of Israel with Moses. Now while it is possible to consider what follows as the content of what the Israelites said, it is most likely that what follows is sequential to the quarrel of Israel with Moses. Now this is because we have the content or a content of what the Israelites said to Moses later on in verse 3 of Exodus 17 that we're studying. Therefore, we contain that what is recorded here in uh, Exodus 17 verse 2 when it says, give us water to drink is something that follows Israel's quarrel with Moses. In effect, after Israel complained and the words not reported, they immediately did what is reported here uh, next in terms of asking for water. Now the, the request or command of Israel to Moses really parallels requests to Jacob when Rachel, the wife, was not conceiving. So she demanded wrongly from Jacob to give her a child to which Jacob angrily reminded her that it is not in his power but God's power to do what she requested. So we read in Genesis chapter 30 verses 1 and 2. Rachel was requesting, and hold on to Genesis, was requesting something. Jacob said, no, it's not in my power. I can do that. Genesis chapter 30, verse 1 reads, When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, Give me children or I'll die. Jacob became angry with her and said, Am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? So that's the kind of thing that Moses was facing. You're asking me to do what I can do. I'm not the one. That, I'm really an agent. That's part of what is, that's we're going to be saying. I can't do anything. I'm just following orders. So why are you taking it out of all of me? Anyway, this aside, Israel requested Moses to provide them drinking water. Again, as stated in verse 2 of Exodus 17, he said, give us water to drink. Now that word give is really translated from a Hebrew word that they mean to give as it is used in creation. Uh, the narrative regarding God's uh, provision of seed 
bearing plants and fruit trees given originally for man's food until after the flood per se. When meat was introduced, so to say. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. Now, would this indicate that, you know, since the Lord didn't give much of meat and all that at the beginning, that meant that the grains contained everything we really need for our body, really. Until things, because of sin, or things came, uh, started going, uh, what I would say, in the wrong direction because of man's sin. Otherwise, the grains would have been sufficient for us to survive without any protein from animals. Anyway, so here we read, Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. Again, like I said, until about the flood time, that's when meat was introduced, so to say. Now the word may mean to supply, as it is used to describe the fact that the Egyptians will no longer provide straw for Israel's work to make their life miserable or make their work harder, as in uh, Exodus chapter 5 verse 7. Exodus Chapter 5, verse 7. It reads, You are no longer to supply. That's a, a Hebrew word that translates give. Now it translates supply. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. In other words, make life this miserable for them. They go get it. They must produce the same quota. If you recall, when we studied that. Now the word may mean to set before someone something, as it is used to describe what Moses said before Israel that will determine if they are blessed or cursed. As we read in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. In other words, here if we can say, here's the key. Whether you'll be blessed or cursed. That's what Moses was laying to their Israel, which is something for us. And it all goes back to the word of God. Whether we're blessed or cursed, it depends on how we respond. So here he said, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death. Blessings and curses. What did he say before them? The word of God. He says, now choose life so that you and your children may live. In other words, choose to the word of God, choose to obey, and that's how you get to live 
an enjoyable life on this planet. That, as they say, that's no brainer. Of course, I say that, but it's just, it is difficult for people to conceive that that is a way to have a pleasant life on this planet. Choose God's word, live by it, you have a pleasant life. Now, of course, remember, it doesn't mean you won't have difficulties. However, your life would be a much more peaceful life on this planet. The problem we all have is we ignore his word. Now, the Hebrew word may mean to grant, as it is used in the law giving the land of Canaan to his covenant people, as stated in Joshua chapter 1 verse 13. Joshua chapter 1 verse 13. Joshua chapter 1 verse 13 reads, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has Granted, that's a Hebrew word here, granted you this land. Now, the word also um, may mean to provide, as in the provision of food by the Lord to those who fear Him, as we read in Psalm 111, verse 5. Psalm 111, verse 5. Psalm 111, verse 5. It is, He provides, that's a Hebrew word, translate give, now it's translate provides, He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His own, His covenant forever. Now, in our passage of Exodus 17, verse 2, the word is used with the meaning to give or to provide. So, in other words, the Israelites demanded Moses to provide them with water that they were lacking. Now, the demand or request of Israel in Exodus uh, 17 to give us water to drink is an interesting one. Now, this is because the word give is translated from a plural form of the Hebrew was surrendered. Now the Hebrew plural may indicate that Israel addressed Moses and Aaron, or that they addressed Moses and the Lord. Now although it is possible that the Israelites were complaining against Moses and Aaron and commanding him to uh, uh, commanding both of them to provide them drinking water, but ultimately it is against the law that they complained and presented their request. Now there would have been nothing wrong if Israel had actually tabled their request to the Lord. In fact, the Lord will welcome such requests because they were complaining against Moses, they were not in the right spiritual condition that their 
request will be regarded as prayer that is directed to the Lord. Because they weren't really praying. They were just whining. Complaining. Nonetheless, because of the use of the plural in narrating Israel's demand on Moses, it's most likely then that although Israel addressed Moses, that they could have included Aaron in their complaint. So in any event, Israel's uh, request demonstrated a failure on their part of recognizing that, the, that Moses is a spiritual leader. He is not the right person to request for water. Their request to Moses signaled a spiritual failure on their part, as will become evident in Moses' own response to them that we'll get to at the appropriate time in this study. Now the point is that Israel's first response to the situation of no water at Rephidim was complaining against Moses for leading them to a place where there's no water. So that's their first failure. The challenge they face, they didn't respond in the right way. They failed because they were complaining. Instead of trusting the Lord and say, let's just pray about it or to something to that effect. Or even say, Moses, will you please, please pray to the Lord to give us some water? And they were just, give us water. As if he had the power to do so. Of course, it's based on the miracle God has performed. Uh, they were probably uh, ascribing what they should ascribe to him. Now, be that as it may, the situation Israel faced with lack of water in Rephidim was certainly severe or got worse. For them, as will become evident in their second request or response that is related to the first one. Now, before we state Israel's uh, second response to the lack of water at Rephidim, we should note that our reason for stating that problem of lack of water was severe or got worse for Israel is their state of mind and everything that is described in the first clause of verse 3 of Exodus 17 that we're studying. Look at that. He said, But the people were thirsty for water there. Now this clause states that which is true of Israel, sometimes after their first response and Moses' counter-response that will get to at the appropriate time. In effect, the clause is one that states that despite, or despite the initial complaint of Israel, there was no change in the situation they faced. That is, there was still no water to drink. In fact, the situation worsened. Now, the worsened condition of Israel is described in that verbal phrase, we are thirsty for water there. The word thirsty is translated from a Hebrew word uh, that has the meaning of to thirst that may be understood both literally and figuratively. Now, literally means to be uh, thirsty, that is, of course, to be in a, a dehydrated state, 
and so desired to drink fluid as it is used to describe uh, uh, Samson's condition after the victory over the Philistines when he did not have water to drink. So what did he do? He cried to the Lord for water as recorded in Judges chapter 15 verse 18. Judges chapter 15 verse 18. Now those are those things that you, you see because of the time in which we live. Some people just take a drink or all these things with sugar and all that. That's not water. I understand. Some people don't want to drink water. And I, can't, I don't get it because that's what God actually gave us. And some people are very reluctant to drink water. They drink everything but water. The reality is, if you want to quench your thirst, you got to drink hot water. So he reads here, because he was very thirsty, that's something. He cried out to the Lord, you have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? So that's little meaning of the word, but figuratively to thirst means to intensely desire something or to intensely yearn for something as it is used by the psalmist regarding his desire for God. His yearning for God as we read in Psalm 42 verse 2. Psalm 42, verse 2. Psalm 42, verse 2 reads, My soul thirsts. Now you see, that's a Hebrew word, thirst, but it cannot be in a literal sense. Say, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? The psalmist desires strongly to be with God. In our passage of Exodus 17 verse 3 though, the word is used in a literal sense of to thirst. That is to feel the need to drink water. Now it was probably the case though that when the Israelites arrived at Revidim, they probably had some uh, water in their water jugs that they, they carried around with them. They would immediately, on reaching Revidim, uh, wanted to fill their jars or their jug, water jugs. They wanted to fill it. Even though uh, before they even actually need water. But the fact that there was no water led to their immediate complaint. Nevertheless, after staying for some time, they ran out of water. And because they had no more water, their need to drink water increased. Now, that's an important principle there. 
They ran out of water, and therefore their need to drink water increased. Now, what am I going to say? Here is the thing. It is often the case that we yearn and long for what we do not have, while we take for granted what we have. See, as soon as you can't find that water, their thirst went for more and more. They became more thirsty. But if they had plenty of water, seeing it, even if they didn't drink it, they, it would increase. So that's why we say, many times, what we thirst for is what we just don't have. And the other hand, the things we have, we don't appreciate. So I'm saying, in this particular case, that because Israel did not have water, their thirst or their need to drink water increased. So it's for this reason that it is said that they were thirsty. Now Israel's intense desire to drink water led to their second response to lack of water at Rephidim. The second response of the Israelites to this lack of water at Rephidim is that of blaming Moses needlessly for their uh, suffering, their suffering of lack of drinking water, as we read still in Exodus where we study chapter 17 verse 3. It says, And they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Now the word grumbled is translated from uh, a Hebrew word that means to grumble against or to blame. That is, to make a verbal complaint against another, whether proper or improper. Now, it is a word that was used in the Old Testament scripture in connection with Israel during their movement from Egypt to Canaan. In other words, it characterized them. It became some their hallmark really during that process. So Israel grumbled several times against Moses and Aaron, as for example, when they felt their lives were in danger because they received a bad report from uh, Israel's spies sent to explore the land of Canaan. So when they got that bad report, they started blaming Moses and Aaron according to Numbers chapter 14, verse 2. Numbers Numbers chapter 14, verse 2. I hold on to Numbers. I'll go to one passage. I'll come right back to Numbers. Numbers chapter 14, verse 2 reads, All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Now the Israelites, again like I said, they were known for that. They grumbled against their leaders because of the bad deal they made with the Gibeonites as recorded in Joshua chapter 9 verse 18. Joshua 
chapter 9 verse 18. He reads, But the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. The whole assembly grumbled against the leaders. Now, our Hebrew verb is really related to a Hebrew noun that means grumbling or murmuring or is in complaint, as it is used in the Lord's question. Uh, to Moses regarding Israel's continued grumbling as in we read still in that numbers go back to chapter 14 look at verse 27 numbers chapter 14 verse 27 reads how long will this wicked community grumble against me when the Lord says that, I mean, it's something that is a pattern that they have from grumbling. I mean, you know, there are people on this planet, there's nothing you can do, and they don't complain. They just for there. They will complain about anything and everything. They're never, there's nothing where you can do anything, and they'll be pleased. That's a horrible thing to be in, but that describes some people. They're just that way. That's what characterized Israel while they were in the desert. So this is why we say, where you say, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? That means they've been doing it quite a bit. I have had the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. Is how God now described them? Grumbling Israelites. In that passage of Exodus 17 verse 3, though, the word means really to grumble. That is to make complaint. Uh, or complaining remarks or noises under one's breath or simply to blame. Or now, although there is nothing wrong with translating the Hebrew word with the, uh, uh, with the English word grumble, but it is probably better to take the word here to mean to blame. To blame. In effect, the Israelites blamed Moses for their suffering of thirst. They blame him. Now that the Israelites were blaming Moses for their plight is indicated in their accusation of him in the question of Exodus 17 verse 3. Again it reads, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Now literally though, the Masoretic text, that is the text from our Hebrew uh, Old Testament is translated. The Hebrew really reads something different from what we have in the NIV. It reads, Why ever did you bring us from Egypt to kill me and my sons and my cattle with us? Now that's different from what you have in the NIV or whatever other version you have. So you will notice that the literal Hebrews use the word me and my instead of us and our. 
in the NIV and some other of our English versions. Now, this is probably because of the Septuagint use us and our. The Masoretic text use the singular probably because the focus must have been on what each person said rather than the group. In other words, that will imply that everyone was complaining. So anyway, uh, the word says here, say die, he brought us here to die. That word die really is translated from a Hebrew word that basically means to die, but in the Hebrew form, used in our passage, it means to destroy, to destroy, as it is used by the uh, residents of Sheba to protest the military siege mounted against the city by Joab, uh, David's top, top army general, as we read in number, I mean, Second Samuel chapter 20, verse 19. Second Samuel Second Samuel chapter twenty verse nineteen reads We are the peaceful and faithful in Israel. You are trying to destroy a city that is a murder in Israel. Why do you want to swallow up the lost inheritance? The word here, destroy, is the same Hebrew word, move, that means to die. Now the Hebrew word, of course, can also mean to kill, as it is used in David's killing of Goliath, as reported in 4 Samuel chapter 17, verse 50. First Samuel chapter seventeen verse fifty. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. That word, kill him, is the same Hebrew word translated, uh, they say, to kill us or cause us to die. Now, in our passage of Exodus 17, verse, uh, verse 3, though, the Hebrew word is used in that sense of to kill, that is to cause someone to die, usually intentionally or knowingly. In other words, they were charging you. You knew what's going to happen, and so you just wanted to kill us. Now, Israel's blaming of Moses is really irrational because it was the Lord that brought them out of Egypt under Moses' leadership. So that they were being irrational by taking off the, their uh, frustration of Moses, so to say. Now, furthermore, they had forgotten their suffering 
in Egypt as slaves because of the difficulty they encountered on the road now. Now you know this reality. We are people of short-term memory. We easily forget things. When things seem to have gone better in a certain way, we forget how awful it used to be. Or even when things become rough, we forget how good it has been maybe a few weeks or a few years back. I just we we don't we humans we just don't retain much. Uh, we keep dancing up and down with depending on our spiritual uh, state. So here they now they are suffering from amnesia of slavery. <laughs> they don't remember it. In other words, since the Lord brought them out of Egypt, their blame directed to Moses is really really directed against God. Although they have forgotten how they were suffering as slaves. Now they just met a little difficulty. They forgot all that they have seen so far. God patterned the, the race taking them through. Just a little difficulty. And that's how many of us believers are. We find a little bit difficulty. We forget all this goodness that God has shown us. Just because of that, whatever it is that we're facing. We don't remember any of his goodness, which is a terrible, a terrible thing to be in. Anyway, so, no wonder though, since they were blaming Moses, and he knew he wasn't the one that did that, so no wonder his first response to them in a, was more in a way that shows that, yes, he didn't bring them out. Now, Moses' first com- uh, response to the complaint of the Israelites because of the lack of water it's really a rebuke of the people. Now, this rebuke is given in the form of two rhetorical questions in Exodus 17, verse 2, where it said, Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the law to the test? Now, that's what they're doing. They're for along with the Lord there, uh, Moses saying, you, you're, not, you're not being fair to me because I didn't, I didn't bring you out. God did. And now you're uh, quarreling with me. Now the first rhetorical question, why do you quarrel with me? Is this way of saying to Israel that they had no right to complain against him or blame him because of them being laid out of Egypt. That was not his doing. It was something that God did himself. He had nothing to do with it. He was just an agent that God called out and said, you go and you free my people. And he obeyed that instruction and he came and that happened. Now that Moses understood Israel's blaming of him as a direct blame though on the law who indeed led them out of Egypt is conveyed in the second rhetorical question of Exodus 17 verse 2 when it says, why do you put the law to test? Why do you put the law to test? Now that expression put to test is translated from a, a Hebrew word that conveys two senses. It is used in the sense of attempting or trying to do something that may lie outside normal or recommended behavior. 
such as what is what a sensitive woman that is not accustomed to mistreating the husband would do because of experiencing some pain due to God's judgment on Israel uh, for disobeying his covenant and with them. As we, the Hebrew word is used in Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 56. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 56 reads The most gentle and sensitive woman among you so sensitive and gentle that she will not venture to touch the ground with the sole of her foot just a way to describe what a delicate and sensitive and caring this woman is. However, then he said, will begrudge the husband she loves and her own son or daughter. In other words, pressure, pain, and judgment that God has brought on Israel will cause such a woman to behave otherwise. Now, another sense of the Hebrew verb is then to taste or to try someone or something in an attempt to learn the true nature of that thing or, or that someone. Now it is the act of testing a person to determine the, the validity of the quality of a person that the word is used to describe the tests of Queen Sheba towards Solomon as she attempted to learn about his, his wisdom as and in the fame that he has attained, according to First Kings chapter ten, verse one. First Kings First Kings chapter ten, verse one. It is when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. And so that's the gist of the term, the quality. Is that really true what I had? Now in our passage of Exodus 17 verse 2 though, the Hebrew word is used in the sense of the test, that is, to put to the test in order to ascertain the nature of something, including imperfections, faults, or other qualities. Thus, Moses used it to warn Israel that they were trying to find out what the Lord can do uh, to them for challenging him by what they said as he is the one who was directing Israel's travel, not Moses. The people will challenge God to know what he will do to them since their complaint against Moses is against the Lord. So the point is that Moses is warning Israel that it is not wise to taste the Lord in the way they were doing. After they had seen his power 
uh, of both dividing the Red Sea and providing them with water at Mara. So, our explanation so far reminds us of that primary message that we have been considering, which is be careful about grumbling against your spiritual leaders, since doing so is the same as grumbling against God. So Israel failed the test of lack of water. Instead of blaming Moses and so the Lord, they should have learned to pray to the Lord for the, their need of water. Now because they did not do so, they did not then learn the lesson that we are, uh, are trying to expound here, that we are, should also learn. And that lesson again is to learn to take your complaint to the Lord and avoid blaming spiritual leaders. Same thing, learn when you're dealing with people. Learn to take your problem, your complaint to the Lord because he can do, he can move people's mind more than you can ever do with whatever complaint you have. So learn that. It doesn't mean you don't tell people that you're not pleased with something. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is instead of whining and complaining, go to the Lord. Tell Him. And see, this is what I'm facing, Father. And this is what I need. And you justify it as to why you need that. And when you do that, sit back and watch Him do what He does best, which is to answer and deliver us. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the study of your word. We pray that God, the Holy Spirit, will challenge us to the things we have studied this evening so that we will learn how to depend upon you, to come to you instead of crumbling and complaining against spiritual leaders or other people, but to seek you, knowing that you are the only one that can meet our needs. This is a request in Christ's name.